This is not psychotherapy. Dr. Wills does not have a provider-patient relationship with this guest. These are just two people talking about emotions. Welcome to Give a Actually with your host, Dr. Alex Wills. to give a fuck actually i'm here today with gina ryan welcome to the show hey thank you for having me i'm thrilled to be here here's a brief introduction and then gina can tell us a bit more she hosts the top 50 mental health show on apple podcast the anxiety coaches podcast she's also a nutritionist and coach who has struggled with stress anxiety and panic for over 20 years before the internet she was able to climb out of her fear and panic to peace, calm, and well-being by finding what did and didn't work. Gina now teaches thousands of others how to do the same in a fraction of the time, which is music to my ears. I want to learn what you have to offer. (laughs) She is dedicated full-time to anxiety, clearing, coaching, podcasting, and teaching clients worldwide. She considers her work, her calling, and lives a mindful and compassionate life in Hawaii. And I think you were saying before we started that you're over there on Maui. Yes. The beautiful island of Maui. Awesome. Anything else you wanted to add or clarify about that? No, it sounds awesome. Um, You know, my background is pretty big. I, I noticed before we started here, I was thinking about it. And it seems things came in 12s. You know, I was a nutritionist in my health food stores and the little community for 12 years. Then I worked in eating disorders, intensive outpatient and residential for 12 years. And um, now the podcast. So here we go. Good things come in 12s. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. And if folks want to find you, where's the best place to go? Yeah, you can find everything you need at anxietycoachespodcast.com. Everything Mm. is there. Yeah. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about the podcast and how it started and where it's going lately. Yeah. It's it's kind of a fun story because uh, I know you're doing a podcast, a lot of people doing podcasts now, but about eight years ago, um, well, I'm in my eighth year. So I had been a guest on a lot of podcasts and then I was asked to be a kind of a co-host on the Anxiety Coaches podcast. And it was a new podcast. And then shortly after that, the original host decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So I took it over. So it's an unconventional start to podcasting. But it was also when I was turning 60. So I was like, I can be a guest. I can do that. I know I can do that. And I know what I know in my coaching. But I, I was like this whole podcasting things seemed out of my wheelhouse. So um, the host was kind and he says, I'll give you two days of training. And Mm -hmm. so the rest is history eight years later. And it's just, it's doing wonderful. And I think that we're helping a lot of people. So. Yeah. And the concept has to do with anxiety. Is there any main approach or is it sort of just a big mix of all kinds of stuff related to that? Yeah, I I well, I also have a group and I also do some coaching, although I'm not doing as much personal coaching anymore. So I kind of go by what the the temperature of the water is with the group and the the email that I get. 
But I do have things, I have my own guidelines that I know work and things that have worked for me and worked for clients. And I try to stay in that lane. And a lot of that is that we can make a difference in our lives and we can do it ourselves. Uh, we don't have to suffer. Life is painful. There's a lot of difficult things that happen, but we don't have to suffer. We can we get a lot out of what happens to us, no matter whether it's good or bad. And I stay clear of the medication issue only because it's a very personal issue that I leave up to my listeners and their medical team. Because everybody, I don't, I'm not privy to their medical history, any of that. So everyone is welcome because some people carry guilt about medications. Some people are afraid of medication. So we're a big group of everybody is welcome. And then they can ask me questions by email. And I try to answer those on the show. Um, I used to have guests on the show, but I don't have, do that any longer. Um, this has just worked out better as a solo podcaster. And Anxiety Coaches Podcast is my way of giving what I would have wanted when I was struggling. Because I struggled for about, from when I was about 18 uh, to almost 40. And that's a mm. long time. And I knew back then that wasn't called anxiety. Um, mm -hmm. People didn't talk about it. People in my uh, neck of the woods didn't even go to therapy. That was just starting to be a thing. Mm. So it was, uh, there was no internet. I had to uh, go to the library. I read a lot of books. Uh, I never used medications. I was offered a sleep medication by one of my physicians once. And so something in my gut, Alex, just said, you don't need that. And I had seen some friends take some interesting drug choices, which were not pharmaceuticals. They were, they were. So I kind of had this like, let's see what I could do. Mm -hmm. So I, I never used medication. So I have this whole 20 years of lifestyle bumping up against things that didn't work. Right. And then eventually refined it down to what did help me and what what I didn't need to bother with anymore. So, uh, and if I had had some help, it wouldn't have taken that long. But I, mm -hmm. nowadays there's lots of help everywhere, but I offer people free of charge, whatever has worked for me, what I find now in the research or what people like you are writing about in these marvelous books. I very much enjoyed your book, by the way. And <laughs> uh, that's a way of sharing what's new in the world also. Um, yeah, so that's, that's what we do. I love that concept of life is painful, but we don't have to suffer. And, you know, that's kind of the crux of the book, the radical emotional acceptance is some emotions are painful by definition. They're uncomfortable, they're sad, they're scary, they're anxious, but they don't have to be suffering. And if we can look at with curiosity, at what these emotions are trying to help us with, why they're there. They don't have to be a problem unless we make them into a problem. Absolutely. Such a nice way to put it. Um, it's like you mentioned it in the book, and I talk about this often on the show, the second arrow. 
I think that's a wonderful mm. concept for people to understand. Life does hit us with all kinds of first arrows and we have to deal with these. I mean, I've been through the hardest things in my life after I crawled out of what I call the anxiety wormhole. The biggest struggles and traumas in my life happened after that, but I didn't go down the wormhole again. I had pain, but I didn't have to suffer. Mm -hmm. I actually had a different vision of what was happening. And to this day, these are things that actually served me further on in my life. The idea of the second arrow, life was hitting me with those difficult times, but I didn't have to add to it with, mm -hmm. oh my God, that's my big term because that was my thing. Mm -hmm. I always said to myself, oh my God. like, And I would just add this other layer of emergency, this fear. This is never going to change. This is how you will feel for the rest of your life or other thoughts such as I did something wrong or people don't like me or whatever the, the thought flavor of the moment was. And those are things we don't have to do to ourselves. And so I think this perspective change uh, made a huge difference in my life when I learned that piece. I learned it from Buddhism. Um, but mm -hmm. there's, it's, it's out there in many different forms. Yeah. Self-compassion, yeah. right? Caring about what we say to ourselves. Yeah. I love it. It's all music to my ears. I'm curious, uh, any emotions that are kind of coming to mind for you, uh, currently, recently, this, uh, podcast is a bit of an experiment. Uh, you and I don't really know where it's going to go. We're just sort of here to follow the affect, follow the emotions and see what we can learn from them. Uh, anything come to mind that you wanted to talk about today? Yeah. When you mentioned that earlier, I had to think real quick because I was like, oh, my <laughs> I'm going to talk about myself here. Um, so I recently, just yesterday had, or I think Monday, so two days ago, I had a, a kind of an interesting conversation with a family member where I felt like they weren't giving me the whole story or uh, um, trying to evade uh, answering my questions. So I had some feelings arise with that, right? And so they were interesting because they were very powerful. They were a little bit more electric than I would have expected. I'm usually pretty calm with this family member and cool. And, and I found I fell out of curiosity and kind of moved more into like, uh, like almost anger. Like, why aren't you, you know? So I lost the curiosity and I kind of went to anger. And, um, so I'd love to have you explore that if you'd like, uh, like, why, why do I, why do you go there one time and you don't another time? Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really fascinating. So if you could name, you know, the there's the anger that you experienced, uh, any other associated emotions or, you know, we think of anger as like a shield emotion that's shielding us from more vulnerable, painful, uh, touchy emotions that we we maybe don't want to experience. But along with the anger, there's also other defense mechanisms. Do you have any kind of go-to defense mechanisms or other associated sort of shield emotions like that? 
Um, oh, other shield emotions. Uh, I'm not sure. Um, I think in this particular instance, I was, the anger was definitely, I was feeling left out. So I was feeling uh, kind of ignored. Uh, so, yeah, so I think it was easier to be angry, which is interesting because it's not some, I don't go to anger real often. I mean, I don't consider myself an angry person. Uh, so that was interesting. So I don't know if it's because it was family um, and maybe different things come up with family than with colleagues or friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And anger is a easier emotion to recognize because it's in your face and it's it's very empowering. You know, when you're angry, no one's going to mess with you because you'll kill them. Like you, you might come across as intimidating. And it's usually shielding us from uh, pretty scary, vulnerable emotions. You know, in a situation where you are being ignored or you are being left out, what were those more vulnerable emotions that you could name that were coming up for you, you think? Well, let's see what could have been coming up. I'm trying to go back there. It wasn't very pleasant. Um, um, yeah, yeah, I was, I did feel vulnerable, left out, um, ignored, which is kind of a dangerous kind of place to be. I think that's what, where the electricity came from, you know, mm. because that's pretty, pretty ancient kind of thing. You don't want to be ignored. You need to be in the fold. Um, maybe a little resentful. I think I might have felt a little resentful because um, I have tried to be very helpful to these people. And mm -hmm. um, so maybe it was like, well, not, and now you don't want to tell me things. <laughs> yeah, it's, it sounds like there was a lot of pain, a lot of uh, kind of hurt, too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, hurt's a good one. That would be definitely, when you feel ignored, that feels very hurtful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you say a sense of betrayal in a way? Yeah, I think that would be um, a good word, betrayal. Yeah. Even though it sounds very big and strong, like, oh, I like <laughs> I'm certain. But in the moment, that is kind of the feeling. Yeah. 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 Okay. Anything else, uh, you know, other emotions to name, sad, disappointed, any other associated emotions? Well, I think I was, I think they would go more toward the anger piece or maybe things that would be under anger because I kind of did a like, okay, fine, let's just drop mm -hmm. it. I can go away. You don't, you know, I kind of did that thing. Um, yeah. Uh, but with an angry tone to it, which is why it's interesting because it's not my usual thing. So uh, I yeah. don't know. What do you think might have been under that anger to make me want to go uh, and then leave? Like, just drop it. Let's just drop it. Right, right. Yeah. And it sounds like something about that really, you know, triggered you. It, it's something because, like you said, normally you don't really find yourself experiencing intense anger too often. Yeah. 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 So it might have triggered something from the past or mm -hmm. uh, which uh, obviously it did because it's a, it was my mother. 
<laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And how she was you, handling a particular situation with other family members. So it had a lot. There was a lot of uh, a lot to work with there. Yeah, no doubt. There, there's this Zen Buddhist saying that if you when, when you feel like you've become enlightened, just go and spend the weekend with your parents or your family of origin and you'll realize that you have like made no progress. <laughs> Absolutely. They are our total teachers and bring us right back to earth again. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I know I do that for my kids too. <laughs> mm-hmm. how, how do you, right now, just checking in, how are you doing talking about this? What kind of emotions are coming up? Have you have you kind of gained a little bit of insight so far? Just sort of looking at it with more curiosity now that you're you're out of that the heat of the moment anger. Yeah, yeah, and actually looking at it um, from a like I'm calm now, and also looking at it with a guide where like you're asking me questions, so that that's helping me just delve a little bit deeper or look at something I may not have paid attention to before. Yeah. Because I was just looking at it as they made me angry. Yeah. 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 And we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because these defense mechanisms or shield emotions like anger, they, they can serve a purpose in, in the heat of the moment. They help us to sort of protect our ego. They help us to, you know, be tough or to be stoic or to to be defensive and and the situation you know may have called for that maybe it wasn't a safe place to become vulnerable and and break down you didn't necessarily feel understood or heard or safe to open up more in the in that moment with that person absolutely i think you hit the nail on the head there it was because it's a phone call it's you know in the middle of the work day there's not time. Uh, so it was almost like I was protecting myself again with that anger to be like, okay, I, if I push you a li- away a little bit with anger, I can get on with what I need to do and take care of myself um, rather than continue to open up this, this issue. Yeah. Right. Continue to talk about it. Yeah. Very good. What, what strikes me is that there, there must've been some fear there that if you know, the, the anger can also, at least in the moment, or at least we can convince ourselves that it's protecting us from what we're afraid of. Because what do you think you were afraid of if, if you didn't drop it, if you, if you kept pressing, if you became vulnerable, what might have happened? Yeah, with this situation, I think if I had kept, I think I was overstepping my a boundary um mm. i think because um i i was being told we're not going to talk about this now like uh but i know i knew that other people knew what was going on and i was just calling checking in for and they didn't want to tell me so um mm. i felt like there was a boundary there and that i really couldn't cross it like at some point, okay, I do have to drop this. They're not going to talk about it. And, and then I think I felt the anger because I felt I'm being left out. So it was my protection. I don't even know, yeah. remember what your question was on that, but that's just what came up. Yeah. And, and I'm curious if, if you 
had kept pushing it, maybe there was just a healthy fear that it, it could have made it worse. It could have become a blow up or you could have ruptured the relationship or, or something along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was kind of a signal like, don't go any further. Yeah. 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 And that's such a key point right there because, you you know, your podcast talks about anxiety and I think of anxiety as a manifestation of fear. What What is fear good for? What, why do we humans have anxiety? What What is it? Is there a purpose? Is it just to make us even more miserable? Is it just more second arrows? Or or what, what do you see as the, the purpose of us even having that? Yeah, it's such a protective mechanism. It's so keeping us alive and safe. And that's where many times on the show, we talk about uh, embracing that time that you're afraid and not doing a second arrow and cause, you know, getting mad at yourself or distracting with it, like really like paying attention because for so long, and even in my own case, all those years, there were many things I was not paying attention to. And my mind and body were screaming at me, you know, that there were things going on that I was not paying attention to. And they didn't even need to be big things. But when you start adding these things up, there were places where I was uh, not particularly in danger for my life, but it was enough that my brain, the amygdala, was picking up that I was not safe. Mm. You know, and that's going to pick that up. If you and I had an argument, my amygdala was going to snap into that, you know, but it doesn't mean you're going to kill me. Um, right. But, you know, that's just the way that brain works. That's that ancient part of us. And there's so many things such as we were just talking in my case of me being left out. Like, you know, historically, that would have meant I would die. Because I mm. wasn't part of the crowd, I wasn't part of the tribe, and I would be left alone and I couldn't survive. So even though that's not the exact scenario, that's the way my brain is interpreting it as that mm. big of a deal. And yeah. so I think when we use, as you use the word curiosity also, that can really help us figure out where where is this coming from and are there other things I should be paying attention to or, or giving more, um, more attention in my daily life to? Yeah. Yeah. That's such a, such a good point too. You know, feelings and emotions, I find it really essential to separate them out because the emotions I think of as just those raw, visceral, sensations we get in our body or somehow in our mind we become aware and they don't need an explanation. I could tell you right now that I'm feeling joy or sadness or fear or disgust or hate or lonely and you don't have to know why about any of that but all of a sudden if you have normal empathetic mirroring neurons in your mind you you all of a sudden know what it's like to be me at this moment. And you already know so much more about me than if I were to talk your ear off for an hour about all the details of he said, she said, all that kind of stuff. So 
the feelings are when you add a story to an emotion. And I think that's where we could get kind of lost. And because the stories that we make up or we believe just sort of these automatic thoughts like they talk about in cognitive behavioral therapy are often toxic or maladaptive or just not true. Like the, the mind is like this popcorn machine that's just like constantly just making up stories to try to explain stuff, whether it's true or not, you know? Yes. In your example, you know, I'm thinking the feeling might be along the lines of, you know, I'm, I'm being left out or I'm being ignored. And, and that might be, that might be a true situation, but the emotions underneath that, you said feeling vulnerable, resentful, hurt, betrayed, also, also that fear, like it taps into that primal tribal need that we have to be part of the tribe, right? Yeah. And, and if I'm not part of the tribe, I'm as good as dead. So that's, that's a very good fear response to like wake us up and say, hey, I got to figure out what's wrong or my life's at risk, right? Yeah. And yeah. that's a great way to look at it. It's trying to wake us up, like pay attention. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back now, I love it when I myself or, you know, folks I talk to say, you know, I'm not, I'm not an angry person because I think of anger as a very ubiquitous part of being human. You know, if you don't believe it, just go stub your toe mm. and, you know, listen to the words trying to jump out of your mouth, right? Exactly. I think, I think anger, just like all emotions, happens to us and it's just a healthy, natural, normal response. And so looking back at that situation, you had a lot to be angry about because there was a lot at stake. And regardless of like the, the situation, there, there was a risk of not being connected, not being in the know, not being part of the group, not being trusted. And, and that, that's huge. And we, I think we gaslight ourselves by saying that, oh, I shouldn't have been so angry. I shouldn't have let it get to me. I, should, I shouldn't have the intensity of these emotions that I have. And then we go down a really bad cycle of suppressing our emotions and gaslighting ourselves, trying to tell ourselves that we shouldn't feel how we feel. Yeah, very good. And it's, a, it's really good for uh, us to remember and myself in that situation or that, that uh, example that the anger was there, period. That's all mm -hmm. I need. To, okay. There was anger there. Yeah. Then I can get curious about that, but I don't need to shut it down. I don't need to say, oh, I'm, because I, I, of course I have anger. Believe me, I do. <laughs> Just ask my kids. Yeah. And, um, uh, but I don't, you know, I'm not, normally I don't spend a lot of time in anger, right? So I'm very aware of it when it arises because it's kind of like, oh, yeah, this is, this is <laughs> one I got to pay attention to. And so I actually didn't spend a lot of time with that situation that, that happened to me on Monday, being curious about why I was angry. So this is eye-opening in that just spending time being curious about it and and wow, I really was angry uh, versus just blowing it off or, uh, you know, however, I think that's probably what I wanted to do. Just shut it down. You're, you know, y'all are making me angry, so I, I'm just going to go away. 
I'm afraid sometimes people might think I'm a bit sadistic, but I think the opposite is true because I'm so happy that you were so angry and upset. Mm. Not because I want you to suffer, right? But because you had no choice. You didn't choose to have those emotions and you didn't choose to have the intensity that was actually there to help you and to wake you up to the reality that, hey, there's a big risk in this relationship at this moment. And I'm having my, you know, fire alarms go off pretty hardcore because I need to pay attention to, to really look closely at what's happening here. Yeah, absolutely. And it's a gift. It's like there is so much to know when you start to really think about it and pay attention. And, you know, it's beautiful how the mind and body works like that. Like it is talking to us. This is the conversation we're, we're having and to be able to pay attention to it and not put the, the uncomfortable feelings, uh, in one's or emotions in one pile. Like, oh, I don't want, I got to stay away from those and I got to get more of these. Like that's just where we get into trouble, right? At least for mm. me, I, you can't just go for good, good things all the time. Like okay. we have to ride this whole wave and sometimes it's up and sometimes it's down and both of them, you know, inform the next one. So like we have to take the whole thing and to, to one of the things that helped me get out of anxiety was to not be afraid when those feelings came. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to be afraid of them. That was the second arrow was being a fearing the fear. That yeah. was my <laughs> second arrow. Um, and that's what is fueling what most people who have chronic fear or anxiety, you know, we all have anxious moments all the time, but when it's chronic and you can't even find yourself relaxing enough to go to sleep at night, on a regular basis, it's because they're, you're just so afraid of it. It's like a, I, this, I call it trying to keep that beach ball underwater. Like mm -hmm. you can do it for a, a little bit, and it, but it's exhausting and it's going to keep popping back up when you least expect it, right? Mm -hmm. When you least want it to happen, you're going to get all that popping right back up again. Yeah. So it's okay to feel them. It's, it's probably one of the biggest lessons I learned was it was okay to feel even the fears I was feeling. Yeah, I call it emotophobia or the irrational fear of our emotions or like you call it the, the fear of fear, which is worse. And, you know, for my patients, for myself, it takes so much coaching. I think it, I have to even continually remind myself after all of these years living with radical emotional acceptance that these emotions are not here to hurt me. <laughs> they're, they're not here to torture me. I have to realize that if I can tune into what they're teaching me, what they're trying to make me aware of, they're only there to help. But it's so easy just to go back to that old kind of, you know, knee-jerk reaction of like, Nope, I just want to feel good. I want to just be zen all the time. I don't want to fucking be angry. I don't want to be scared and and go to those go-tos that can kind of help us temporarily keep that beach ball underwater, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, because that's just temporary. It's it, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And it's um and it's not easy to do because we're busy. So I wonder if you've noticed that with people like this whole we're so busy, we're always on phones or screens or uh that's about it usually. Phones or screens. <laughs> And um, that we're like in a hurry to get to the next thing. So we don't. And so we're pushing these all these things down. Um, Mm. Usually the the uncomfortable emotions, people are willing to feel joy. Although I have to say, you know, a lot of people not even spending a lot of time there. I don't know. We're always just running up to the next thing. So I wondered if you have seen that. Is there like are people just plowing through life? letting everything go to the side just to get to the next moment versus spending time in this one? Yeah, you know, I think busyness is a very effective tool of suppression. Yeah. It's it's easy just to stay super busy and just preoccupy yourself with all kinds of tasks and TikTok videos. It's it's very effective and so it's a it's a big go-to. I was working with a lady earlier today and she sees how her mom, whose brother is on hospice, is terminal, is powering through, planning all of these things, working her butt off as just obviously trying to suppress any of her sad and painful emotions that are going on. And she's just sort of watching it like a slow motion train wreck that she can't stop. And, you know, it's hard taking baby steps or giant steps to just do the opposite. Just have that faith that what we're saying is true, that if we have curiosity, I love that you use that word curiosity, to just hold space for the anger, the fear, the anxiety, the loneliness, whatever the emotion might be, and tune into what the wisdom is. What is it trying to teach you? What is it there for? And it almost always leads to some sense of direction or some sense of understanding your reality or the the status of a relationship a lot better, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it really does. That hearing you talk about that woman keeping busy with all the of course there are things that need to be done and taken care of. Um, it reminds me of people who have terminal illnesses or cancer and they you know, they write and it's written in the obituary how they were such a trooper and they worked right up to the very end. And like, it makes me want to cry. I can just feel that like, really? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. Like the feelings and things that must have been coming up around, you know, knowing that you're terminally ill and or when you're in hospice or someone you love is in hospice. Like these are, believe it or not, like, magical times to be there like when you can i had a friend who was in hospice she had um she died of um she had liver cancer and um that was like the most amazing time knowing that nikki was never going to go to the mall again or go walk on the beach with us again like um we really were there with that and it's a when you can feel the struggle of it and the pain of it, there's so much on the other side of it that mm-hmm. we would have missed 
had we been kind of afraid or just, I don't know, watched videos with her or something, you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. um, it's, there's so much of life is in the challenge is in the difficulty. And there's so many gifts there. I just hope that people will, um, not be afraid. It's this whole fear. <laughs> like I can't, well, I can't handle that. I can't do that. And, um, and I, you also mentioned holding space. I wanted to say that uh, maybe you find this with your um, patients that I have many, so many men that follow me and men that come, um, Not we have some men in our group and men that I have as one-on-one clients. I was always surprised because I always thought I was like, you know, the, your girl buddy, you know, I will listen to you and <laughs> we'll hammer this out. But I don't think men have, so many men have a place to go. And mm. I kind of have like this mom energy. I realize this is the older I get, the worse it gets. But I have this mom <laughs> energy that just won't go away. But it's something that so many people seem to need. Like just mm. a place to say what they're feeling, being given the time. Because we're so busy moving to the next thing all the time. There's something else to do. So you come and sit with me for an hour and you, it just comes out because there's mm-hmm. no, you know, we're not doing anything else. We're just kind of right. hanging and letting those things that bubble up. And it's so beautiful to me to see them let it come out. And it makes mm-hmm. me wonder how long, and some of them have told me very long time that these things have never come out. Mm-hmm. These emotions, these thoughts these feelings. So it is no wonder that they are expressing outside or in life that they're anxious, you -hmm. know, or, and the big one is angry because under a lot of anger is anxiety, is this bubbling fear, but it looks better to be bigger and stronger and angry than, than, you know, uh, we all have our direction. We go crying in the corner, you know, that was more (laughs) my style. Um, so there's, I think there's got to be more places for people to be able to go and do this, to be able to open up. Yeah. And I'm really digging the maternal energy and mm-hmm. I'm glad you have some insight into that and how it's so needed. That's such an interesting topic too, about, you know, us guys having very, very few outlets to express, you know, what emotions we have going on. You know, just today I was writing my wife back an email and I had a few moments between patients and it was supposed to be maybe a two sentence reply. And I, I ended up writing like a book <laughs> to her. It was sort of like a bit of a, a journaling, but it ended up being a great tool to just sort of pour out the various stressors you know, anxieties, fears, frustrations that have been going on. And like you mentioned a few moments ago, simply naming it, simply naming those emotions, simply being heard and validated and just saying like, you know, I don't even know why, but I'm feeling some intense sadness or whatever. That in itself is so healing because we're getting in tune with reality. And that's a big piece of the puzzle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Getting in tune with reality, yeah, because we just ignore, if we ignore it, it, 
we're leaving it out of our reality. It's there, but we won't acknowledge it. And, mm-hmm. and that takes a little time and space. Yeah. I, hope, I wanted to I hope your book will make a difference with that because it seems to be giving people permission to actually let these things be. Yeah. I mean, that's my hope. You know, my gift to the world is simply that if we could all see that emotions are not the problem and they're actually the solution, I think all of the world's problems can be fixed. It's a bit ambitious, but as soon as we tune into that truth, then I think we have a better foundation to try to get our world back because, you know, things seem to be going to hell in a handbasket all around us, you know. Pretty rapidly, yeah. Yeah. But I wanted to touch on, you know, this idea that li- life is kind of like a, a movie. I can't think of a great movie that doesn't have a lot of trials and tribulations and and a lot of, you know, negative, painful emotions. The best movies have sort of the worst shit happening. And if we can tune into our life is really like a great movie or a series of movies. And the more we embrace the reality and embrace the full spectrum of all of those emotions, the more we're truly living, you know? I think for a long time, like my go-to sort of opiate was movies because I could watch other people having problems and other people having tragedy and I could veg out and, and it's like safe. It's in the box. It's behind the screen. And I could have those sort of emotions, but not have it really affect me. But then I was living my life vicariously through these stories instead of actually living my own movie, which is really, you know, we're only alive once. And if, you know, get to your deathbed, do you want to look back and say that you really lived or that you were just playing it safe and that you, you know, gosh, darn it, I kept that anxiety at bay all those years, you know? I know. Yeah, because that's not, that feels so phony, doesn't it? Like, yeah, I did it. But when you see people who have been tough like that in their lives, when you see them be vulnerable and actually let those things that are bubbling up in them, when they let them come out and actually have tears and have moments of awe that they can even feel these things fully. It's it's amazing. And I think your idea of being able to change the world with that is actually right on because we're all so busy deflecting and holding things down and pushing things down. We don't even know what's true or real anymore inside of us. Right, right. Yeah. Circling back to your story now of this conflict that happened with your your newfound emotional wisdom and sort of tuning into the wisdom of those those painful emotions, the fear. I think the big insight you said was just sort of realizing that you were at risk of not being part of the tribe, which is, you know, detrimental. And this is, you know, this is family. So this is really, you know, super important stuff. What are you able to see now and and how can you better understand what those emotions were trying to help you with? Yeah, well, I'm seeing that I was actually feeling very old feelings because it, it actually was not an 
unusual situation, meaning, I mean, I'm in my late 60s. So, I mean, I've had this come up at other times in my life in this same kind of scenario. And I think it brought up, because I think my reaction was a, a little like, for what was happening, it felt a little big. Mm-hmm. But, but now I'm seeing, I think it was because it brought up the memories of other times that that had happened, that that has happened many times and that I didn't deal with it, right? That mm. it, it, Again, these were things that were pushed down or buried or, um, oh, it's just me because I would take things on myself. Oh, it's just me. I'm too sensitive or, mm-hmm. and actually this whole thing gives me an opportunity to kind of unearth some of that. Yeah. And put some light on it so that maybe what I tell people is when you don't bury these things, they get to move through you. They come and they get Mm. to move through and they made their natural course. And we're not, but I have things obviously uh, still stuck down in there and I would love to shine the light of, of day on those and, and free them, set them free. You know, I wonder, and I'm really curious with you about this, instead of thinking of this as something that you need to get over or work through, like I I try not to use language like, you know, I got to work through these emotions because all of this language sort of suggests that emotions are a problem. I need to fix it. I need to work through it. I need to get resolution. It's like, well, you're setting yourself up for failure because you've already defined the emotions as a problem, as something bad. So rather than thinking this is like a weakness, I see this as a strength for you, which is that you're highly attuned to the threat of rupture in relationships, to not being part of a tribe, to, to being an outcast or to be, you know, left out or ignored. And that's, that's a superpower because that's a really uh, essential thing for someone in the tribe, at least to have that attunement to to make sure that you're going to, you know, figure out a creative way to get the tribe back together, to resolve this if possible. You know, you're familiar with people who have borderline personality disorder. And one of the diagnostic features is this uh, fear of abandonment. And I get all kinds of borderlines coming in and they're like, I just have this fear of abandonment and I got to get over it. I got to fix it. But I really started to rethink that because I'm afraid of abandonment. I think, you know, if you're abandoned by your tribe, your, your friends, your family, your, your loved ones, that's horrible. That's like, that's one of the worst things that could possibly happen. And so instead of thinking that as, as an illness or a symptom or a diagnostic criteria of a, a mental disease, I think of it as more of, wow, that's, you're very sensitive. You're very attuned to the threat of abandonment. And that's a great thing because abandonment sucks. It doesn't mean that, you know, we need to try to suppress it and then freak out about it and go cut ourselves or something. But it does mean that, hey, relationships are important. I don't want to be abandoned. I don't want to abandon other people. I don't want people to get abandoned. And so how can we creatively, proactively work towards relationships where abandonment is very unlikely, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah. And use those people who have that superpower as the canaries in the coal mine. They are the people who can feel it coming or they're where there's a problem. Like, again, that's where their difficulty that gave them that borderline. I don't use, like, use those labels. I'm not a, um, a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but these are things that have actually given them strengths that other people don't have. And of course, anything we do can be taken uh, to an extreme, but why not use what we have um, and consider it? I love your perspective of this doesn't have to be something that needs to be fixed or a problem that needs to be taken care of, like once and for all. It's uh, how can we use this? It's, yeah, we've got it. It's there. It's obviously been there for a reason. And so how can we use it? This is beautiful. You know, I just felt like the air just like really cleared and all of the emotions, the anger, the intensity, everything that you experienced was exactly right. That there was, there was no pathology. There wasn't anything wrong with it. And it is all there for a purpose to, you know, tune you into, you know, something's amiss and to give you energy and motivation to creatively try to figure out, you know, what to do next. And, you don't have to tell us what you're going to do next, but hopefully you have some ideas churning with some optimism. Yeah, absolutely. And your words help me realize that the part I play in the family with siblings and mother and someone else, that I am kind of that one that I'm the one that talks to everybody. Not everybody in my family talks to each other, but I talk to every. So I feel like I'm like that you know, I'm there in the center and yeah, this is probably what another reason I'm very in tune to how everybody is feeling and trying to keep everybody in the fold as best mm-hmm. as they can be. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that, that's a brilliant note to end on. Before we do like, wrap up, did you have anything else that you wanted to mention or remind folks of where they can find you? Yeah. So we have podcast comes out twice a week or in 900 and some, some odd episodes. Wow. And you can find those at your favorite podcast player, wherever, wherever you listen, the anxiety coaches podcast, or you can go to the anxiety coaches podcast.com and find everything there. So that's the best way to find us. Great. Thanks so much for coming on. It's just been a pleasure to meet you and get to know you in such a short time simply by sharing some of your emotions. I feel like I I know you better than I know a lot of people. That was wonderful. It was kind of a surprise, but it was a wonderful way for me. I feel close to you like that I could share these types of things and to have this whole different perspective. Always growing. We're always growing and learning. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. Hey guys, thanks for watching. This is Dr. Alex Wills with Give a F Actually. Make sure to check us out on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching. Make sure to check out the merch store. RadicalEmotionalAcceptance.com Bye. Bye.